Still time I see in the I see Meditation. Let it stand. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Let us turn to number 438, number 438 in the Red Trinity Hymnal. Let us sing all the verses.
Our great God and Father, we are so thankful that we have the privilege and the honor to come before thee and worship thee as the assembly, the assembly of those who have been made priests in the kingdom of God. We ask, O Lord, that the praise of our lips, the adoration of our hearts, would be that which is acceptable in thy sight today, and that thy people would be strengthened by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. For the revelation of God's will this morning, I would like to read from Isaiah, chapter 56, reading verses 9 through 12. Isaiah 56, verses 9 through 12. All you beasts of the field, come to devour all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark. Dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we We have the prophetic voice long ago crying out for a shepherd who truly loves his people, who gives unto himself for his people, a shepherd that is not looking unto his own way, his own power, his own abusive way upon the people. We are so thankful, O Lord, that we have a shepherd that has now been revealed from heaven, the incarnate and the resurrected Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that as we come before our King, the Lord of Lords, that we understand the tenderness the mercy, the grace, 
in which he shepherds his own people. We ask, O Lord, that in our faith and in our repentance before him, that we would be found continually faithful in his presence. In Christ's name, amen. Turning over a few chapters, the author of Isaiah presents to us the looking forward of that great shepherd to come to us. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Congregation, let's remain seated and sing number 552. Number 552.
people of God, let us come together in prayer. It is our joy, O Lord, to come before thy name, the most holy creator of all things. We bow before thee, for we know that thou art the one who abides with us, gives to us the assurance of salvation that is found only in Jesus Christ. We thank thee, O God, for the blessing that thou hast given to us in him. We see, O Lord, how he was promised unto us all the way back in the context of the fall. And we ask, O Lord, that you would continue to bless us and nourish us in the joy of the salvation that he has brought For he is the one, the seed that has come forth from the woman. He is the one who has come forth out of the seed of Abraham. He is the one who is the son of David. He is the one who has been promised as prophet, priest, and king. We thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast glorified him and his pathway into life for us. And we thank thee, O Lord, that he gives to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ a living faith, a faith that cannot be destroyed, a faith that cannot be removed from those who he has come and secured their salvation through the death and his resurrection. We ask, O God, that thou will continue to bless thy church throughout the world, We know of its hostility than which it receives throughout the world. We ask that you'd be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank thee, O Lord, that even in this nation, we have the opportunity to worship freely. And we ask, O Lord, that you would be with our leaders, that they would preserve the sanctity of worship among the people of God in this country and that that would not be that which is deteriorated. We ask that you'd give to them the wisdom and the knowledge concerning how they should govern over the, over the people in this nation. And we ask, O oh Lord, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would indeed continue to be a light shining on the hill within that which is a fallen creation, and even in terms of the sin that goes on in the midst of our own nation. We ask, O Lord, also that you would be with those who have been called to special places throughout the world. We ask that you'd be with the missionaries in our denomination, give them encouragement. We ask that you'd give to them also the proclamation of thy word, the faithfulness of thy word, and that we would continue to see that those whom the Lord Jesus Christ as ordained before the coming, before the foundation of the world, would come to the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, for the furtherance of the gospel this day. We thank thee, O Lord, for John Huntsberger, and we ask that you'd be with him today at the Stafford's Suite Assisted Living Quarters and what he has prepared. Bless him. 
Bless the people who hear his presentation. Be with Kathy as he, she accompanies him. May the gospel go forth with power and strength. We ask also of this in terms of Angela Voskel. We ask that you'd be with her in the education outreach, in terms of the local schools, in terms of the foreign mission place in which she serves, the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of the home missions as well in our denomination. And this morning we think of Miller and Stephanie Ansel in Waco, Texas. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would give unto him the strength and the power to preach and proclaim the gospel to those who are in his congregation and they would persevere in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. They ask for prayers for husbands and wives to grow together in prayer and in the word. And we pray also for the children to love the Lord in that congregation. We think of Carl Thompson. We thank thee for his ministry in Grants Pass, Oregon. We ask that you continue to bless him in terms of the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the gospel would go forth in terms of the strength of Christ's kingdom in the midst of that community. And that you would build the church for the glory of God alone. We ask also that you would continue to be with this congregation. We ask that you would give to us strong, strong and everlasting love in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would also be concerned about those who are our neighbors in lost. And that we would also be show, continue to show our love unbounding to one another. Give us the grace and the maturity to grow in our faith each day. We ask that you'd be with Melissa Hibbert as well in terms of her due date, which is fast approaching. Continue to bless that pregnancy and bless her in terms of her own health and the children and Joel through this time. We ask that you'd be with Donald and Ann and Ember and Bryn Trail. We thank thee for their lives in this congregation. We ask that you continue to bless on in terms of the new antibiotic that has, has worked. And we ask, O oh Lord, that this would be a step forward. But also we keep praying for a complete recovery for her. And we ask also that you'd be with Donald and for her, for they have struggled with some health issues recently. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bring healing upon their bodies. We also pray for patience. They pray for patience in terms of raising their dear children, Ember and Bryn. We ask that you would continue to minister unto them through their parents and that they would be those children, covenant children, who know the Lord Jesus Christ every day of their life. We ask that you'd be with Michael and Kristen and Michael Jr., Christopher Autumn, Addison Elizabeth Trantham. We ask that you continue to be with them and be with Kristen's pregnancy as well. In the upcoming birth of John Mark, in which it is, it is getting very, very close. We ask that you would also be with them in terms of their covenant upbringing, in terms of their home. We thank thee for their faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for a smooth transition 
in terms of their move to Huntsville, Alabama, and Michael's new assignment. We thank thee so much, O Lord, for his service on our behalf and to our nation. We ask that you continue to bless, bless him. We also ask you to continue to be with the children in terms of their transition and moving. Some of these things can be very difficult, but we ask, O Lord, that you would bless them. Also, which is upon their heart, we ask that you'd be with the upcoming Sunday school year here in our church. Be with all those who are teaching. We ask you to be with Kenta and Norm as they continue to organize uh, how to proceed for the coming year. We ask your blessings upon them. We place all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before your throne of grace. As the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and sing number 319, number 319.
may be seated. We come to Mark chapter 6. We will be reading verses 7 through 13 and then verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, and then verse 30. We're not trying to skip any verses in the Bible, it's just that there's a connection. (laughs) Please listen to the holy, infallible word of God. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Congregation, let's pray. Oh Lord, We hear Christ's commission this morning to his apostles to go forth and proclaim and perform the various aspects of the gospel in the kingdom. Help us this morning to know that we ourselves are the products of the extension of that ministry. We thank Thee for the Holy Spirit going forth and even coming to the hearts of the people in this congregation that are before Thee the day. Bless us in hearing Thy word. In Christ's name, amen. Are they now ready? Are they now ready? Are the disciples now ready to go out on their own? Have they been adequately prepared for the ministry of the gospel of God? 
Has their training in the good news taken root? Is it ready to blossom? Remember, as Jesus called his initial disciples, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, as well as James and John, they left everything at Jesus' command to follow him and to become fishers of men. We saw that in the first chapter. There is no doubt that Jesus called, that Jesus claimed these initial disciples to follow him. He would make them evangelists of the gospel kingdom of God. So when was Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John's activity as fishers of men to start? Immediately, to use the key word in Mark's gospel, not quite. There are going to be more than four former fishermen who are going to serve as Jesus' disciples. After the glorious triumph of forgiveness, healing, and faith in Jesus by the paralytic And his companions, Jesus calls an unlikely person, considering his occupation, to follow him. He is Levi, whose vocation was despised by the Jewish community. He was a tax collector. We saw that in chapter 2. Then after we are told of a great crowd following Jesus from various geographical locations, including Jewish and Gentile areas, we are told that Jesus departs to a mountain, and at this point, he appoints commissions. I even use the word at that point, ordains 12 apostles by name in chapter 3. Verses 13 through 19. As you may recall, Mark is the only gospel that refers to the disciples as apostles, meaning sent out. There is no doubt that we are in the gospel of the evangelist, Mark. Hence, Mark's gospel logically follows the last verses that appear in Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission. Hence, in the first two gospels, we move from the Great Commission to the gospel that alone names the disciples as apostles, those sent out. Even so, up until this point in Mark's narrative, the Apostles have not been sent out on their own. Do not overlook the reason for this. Do not overlook the theme that we have been accenting thus far. From the time that Jesus appointed the 12 apostles in Mark chapter 3, he has been training them, training them in what the gospel will entail. What will be the cost of following Jesus, of leaving everything behind and being in the presence of Jesus Christ? 
the Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of Man, who has authority and power over every single hostility that will present itself to the gospel and the kingdom of God. And they are going to receive the best practical and on-the-job training anyone can receive, that training any servant in Christ's kingdom can receive. Jesus, yes, Jesus is going to live the life of his church before their own eyes. Jesus is going to live the cost of being an apostle before their own lives. They will experience seeing and hearing persecution. They will not miss the various obstacles to the gospel from the religious establishment, from the social cultural world that is around them, both in the Jewish and Gentile worlds, from Satan and also those obstacles that they will have to address in terms of human diseases. Each of these obstacles led Jesus himself to the cross. It was a life of suffering. Yes, the model of the suffering servant is being lived right here before them. They are seeing right there before them the fulfillment of the great prophecy that is found in Isaiah 53 concerning the suffering servant. You can imagine here, wasn't it more comfortable just to be fishermen? (laughs) Wasn't it more comfortable just to be a tax collector? Have you ever heard that testimony from people that have become believers? It was easier when I was not a believer. Now that I'm a believer, it seems that things have been compounded, persecution have come. I've heard that numerous times in my life from believers. The apostles cannot dismiss what Jesus is going through. They are in his presence. They have been submissive partners in his mission. Their comments and questions have at times opened the door for Jesus' teaching and action. As we come to our text this morning, the necessity of their training has been clearly made visible to us. They are having serious problems in understanding the identity of the person and the ministry of Jesus. What does it mean to eat with sinners? Not to fast because Jesus is now present. That Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, permitting plucking grain on the Sabbath. The Jesus who we are with, he even heals on the Sabbath. He's redefining the standard, a new standard of being a family member. Explaining the essence 
of God's kingdom in parabolic literary form, calming the storms in which these disciples demonstrated as we have underlined time and time again from the very words of Christ that they have no faith in Jesus' power over creation. Jesus is casting out demons and throwing Satan's demons into the sea as he places them in pigs. However, after returning from the western side of the Sea of Galilee to the eastern side of the sea, the path of Jesus' ministry and activity begins to take the disciples on a slight upswing as Mark presents these two glorious pictures of saving faith in the woman with the bleeding disorder and Jairus. After all, saving faith in the person of Jesus is of premier importance for entrance into the kingdom of God. As the intensity of saving faith is being placed right there before the disciples in that narrative there, as we saw in chapter 5, Jesus presses that intensity by selecting now three disciples Peter, James, and John to witness the consummation, the consummation of saving faith in the personal object of saving faith, Jesus. Yes, saving faith in Jesus ends in resurrection made visible in the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. But if these disciples, these apostles are going to be sent out into the world, they will need to certainly understand the hostility and obstacle presenting the gospel, of presenting that gospel in their own hometown, in their own family. The impediment from Jesus' own family there in chapter 6, verse 3, as we saw last week, has become even more solidified since Mark's description of his family in the third chapter, where his family thought he was out of his mind. Broadly applied, the apostles will have to address this as they are pressed by persecution and unbelief in the Jewish world. As they themselves become the message of the gospel of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will also learn in terms of that message that they are a prophet not honored in their own hometown. And it will also, they will not be honored in the Gentile world. Hence, do not miss the profound importance and example of Jesus in that last phrase in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, that we pointed out last week, and he went about among the villages teaching. 
When the gospel is rejected by unbelief, move on. Move on. Continue to teach and to preach the good news. So in light of the following, of following and observing the ministry of Jesus, our Savior now calls by his sovereign authority his 12 hand-picked apostles to send them out, verse 7 of our text. He passes on his authority to them over unclean spirits, Yes, casting out demons. They will offer the service of anointing with oil to the sick as they are healed. Verse 13. They will proclaim the gospel telling people that they must repent. Reflecting back upon Christ's own words in chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Here in verse 12. Indeed, Jesus commissions his apostles to perform ministry in the exact same areas that he has been performing in which he has been training them. Preaching. Casting out demons. Healing diseases. Jesus sends them out as representatives of the kingdom that is not divided against itself. As a house that is not divided against itself. Pointing back to chapter 3. In fact, speaking of houses... There is an interesting movement in our text that you do not want to miss. In chapter 6, verse 2, Mark presents for the last time in his gospel that Jesus goes into a synagogue to teach. You are witnessing the movement from the synagogue to teaching in houses. The preview to the apostolic era when the apostles often begin in the synagogue and then move to outside the synagogue. They will begin to preach in open air sermons as well as in houses. Yes, that day is coming to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Where saving faith is embraced. The kingdom is not divided against itself. Now congregation as Jesus commissions the apostles. There are at least two interesting themes. That are accented by Mark. That captures our attention. First. In terms of what's going on in this text. There is a theme of a parallel to the exodus of Old Testament Israel. And secondly, secondly, Jesus is taking the apostles into the foreshadowing of the era between his death, resurrection, and ascension, and his second coming. 
So let us first turn our attention. Let us look at the parallel to the Exodus in the Old Testament Israel. Do you recall that Mark incorporates the Old Testament wilderness imagery into his gospel? John baptizes in the wilderness, chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus being driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, chapter 1, verse 12. Jesus emerges out of the wilderness as the Son of God, a triumph that Israel never was able to accomplish in their disobedience as the Son of God. We have noted that the wilderness is a place where Jesus often departs to be alone or departs from the crowd. And thus we saw that the wilderness theme incorporates him being by the sea in chapter 2, verse 13, in chapter 3, verse 7, or on a mountain when he does call the apostles. Chapter 3, verse 13. Now the apostles being sent out by Jesus on their initial missionary journey resembles the Israelites leaving Egypt into the wilderness. As Jesus succeeds as the triumphant son of God in his wilderness journey against Satan, now the apostles under Jesus' commission will enter their initial wilderness journey equipped with the word of Jesus and his commission to secure them. Do you recall how the Israelite was to leave Egypt in celebration of the Passover? With your belt fashioned, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Exodus 12, verse 11. The apostles are to go out with only a staff, nothing in their belts, bread, a bag, or money, and wearing sandals, verses 8 and 9 of our text. And what is very interesting here is in the parallel texts in Matthew and Luke, it doesn't capture this wilderness theme of Israel. There's different things in terms of what is mentioned that they take. That's why this theme is important to Mark's gospel. Like Israel, the manna from heaven, The apostles are to embrace that they are dependent upon the Lord for their provisions to survive each day. They will be strangers as they go into the world. So just as Israel were to remember that they were strangers and shown hospitality in a strange land, likewise the apostles will be dependent upon the hospitality of strangers to take them into their homes and give them food, drink, and a place to sleep. Don't miss that Jesus says they're only to take one tunic, not two. Why? Why not take two? Do you know the significance of that? If they take two, the nights are cold. So therefore, they need the extra garment to keep them warm 
he instructs them to take one. They will be dependent upon the hospitality of living and being invited into homes as they go and sleep. Yes. <laughs> as they have clearly seen as Jesus is received and rejected by men. Likewise, the apostles will participate in the ministry of Jesus in the same way. Some will receive in faith their ministry of preaching repentance, casting out demons, and healing diseases in the name of Jesus and the good news, while others will dismiss their ministry with hard hearts and deaf ears. Remember the parable of the sower is a realistic synopsis of the gospel going into the world until Jesus' second coming. They're going to see it in action of their own actions themselves. Now Jesus provides a stunning directive to his apostles for any place that rejects the gospel. Look at verse 11. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. The point here is this. The apostles are to remove themselves from the people standing on that particular land for they are now under the ultimate judgment of God. And when they issue their report to Jesus about the places that have received the gospel and the places that have rejected the gospel, there will be authentication, authentication, of two witnesses of the gospel truth against them. That is why they go by two by two. That is fulfillment of a passage in Deuteronomy in terms of authentication. Deuteronomy 17.6 and also becomes foundational in the church in 1 Timothy 5.19 in which people must have two witnesses to bring a charge against an elder. Indeed, the kingdom, the gospel, cannot be divided against itself. The people of saving faith cannot be identified with unbelief. Let's be clear. Jesus does not identify with any unrepentant, sinful lifestyle that blatantly defies his person, nature, word, and revelation. I'm going to repeat that. In light of all the literature we're reading, even presently in our day, within the church of Jesus Christ and the battles within the church. Jesus does not identify with any unrepentant, sinful lifestyle that blatantly defies his person, nature, word, and revelation. Secondly, 
Jesus is taking the apostles into the foreshadowing of the era between his death, resurrection, and ascension, and his second coming. Once again, scholars point to another sandwich structure in Mark's narrative. The sending out of the twelve is the outer slice, the one outer slice of bread, verses 7 through 13, which we read this morning. And the apostles returning to Jesus and reporting to him what they had done and taught is the second outer slice of bread. Verse 30. In the middle of the sandwich is the death of John the Baptist. Verses 14 through 29. Which we will give attention in the future. Well, to repeat, Jesus' sending out to 12 is a preview of the apostles' ministry of the gospel after Jesus has been crucified for the sins of his people and has been raised from the dead and ascended. The message of good news in preaching, casting out demons, and healing diseases will go forth into the apostolic age in which the sole success of saving grace and faith will be dependent, dependent upon the triune God. They will be dependent upon the providence of God for the provisions of everyday life and the hospitality of others. Congregation, I'm going to pause at this moment just to make sure you understand who you are as Orthodox Presbyterians. This passage is a passage that is the basis of why the church supplies the pastor with their income, with their provisions. But also, in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Our church believes very strongly, unlike some other Reformed denominations, that the foreign mission field is to be supplied by the people of the church themselves. We are the ones that provide the funds for the ministry going out into the foreign mission field. It's based on this passage. There's biblical reasons for the things that we do (laughs) as a denomination. Well, moving on. After their evangelistic tour into the world, they will report to Jesus their activity. Verse 30. Likewise, moving ahead after Jesus' ascension and their activity in fulfilling Jesus' great commission upon their own death, they will appear and report all that they have done and taught to their exalted and glorified Savior as they move into glory. The pattern is the same for the ministry of Christ's church between the first and second coming of Christ. It is the same for us. We are presently in that era the era when Christ is sovereignly building his church through the faithful preaching of the word of God. 
in his providence, the word will be received and lived by faith, but also it will be refused and hated by hearts of unbelief. That is the reality of the word going into the world until Jesus' second coming. So we ask you this morning, where is your heart? Do you crave the benefits in serving Christ with your whole heart, soul, and walk? Is the reading and the instruction of God's word a constant treasure in your life? In the pattern of 630, every one of us will be accountable before Jesus as to what we have done, how we have responded with the teaching of God's word. And those who have been ordained to preach and proclaim the wonderful benefits that are found in Christ will have to appear before Jesus concerning their communication of God's word. Let each of us who are present this morning truly grasp with the encouraging and uplifting spirit of Christ the privilege and the honor of being distinguished by God's grace as the product of the evangelistic good news that is found only in Jesus, the living Christ, the living Son of God. Congregation, we are now in the era when Psalm 119 verse 105 is fulfilled. Do not read that beautiful verse without the gospel word in the person of Jesus Christ. You are a New Testament believer. You do not live in the Old Testament prior to the coming of Christ. The psalmist writes, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Indeed, indeed, Christ, as the word of God, is the lamp. The lamp. He is the light of life that shines into the darkness and the darkness does not overcome him. As the incarnate, the resurrected word of God. Whose words from his lips and the meditations of his heart are the bread of life. What a joy for you. What a joy for each of you. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we need to rejoice this morning that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ did not remain silent. It went forth and it went forth into the world. And by the blessing of thy grace, we 
have been incorporated into the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue, O Lord, to forgive us of our sin, to instruct us by thy word, to counsel us in our life through that word so that we would continually be found to be faithful to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Spirit continue to live strongly in each of us and in our homes. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we have to sing 448 after that. Okay, number 448. We have heard the joyful sound. <laughs> Let us stand and sing 448.
great God and Father, salvation has come. We rejoice and we ask, O Lord, as thy people, that we would rejoice by these gifts in which we give unto thee, to the church and to the kingdom in its continual, its continual establishment here on the face of the earth. Bless thy people in their giving. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Let us worship our Lord and our King with our tithes and offerings. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. 